through some of this for our own lives, okay? And really, uh, over the last couple of months, all I've been, uh, I've been really focused in, in my devotional time, it seems like conversations that I have, it seems like um, when I'm exposed to, to someone who uh, is, is, is really walking through God's Word and is serious about that, um, this has kind of been a theme. These th- two things, really, and you heard me pray a little bit about one of them. Uh, the humility factor in life that we all need and that we all must have in order to be led, in order to have relationships. You realize you will not have a a marriage uh, worth anything. There will be no dynamic nature to your marriage. There'll be no health in your marriage uh, if you don't have humility. If that is not present in your relationship, it's not present in your communication, if it's not present in the way you work out issues, if it's not present in the way you parent, if it's not present in your home at all in any way, then it's gonna be very difficult for you to have a certainly a Christ centered, but a a dynamic and and a healthy marriage. So humility is important for marriage and for the home. It's it's important for parenting. Uh, I could probably get a witness in here from all those who have children that that nothing humbles you like parenting and like having children. And so that's something God uh, gives us that gift and he he gives to us and calls us to steward and take care of. And um, and it's a beautiful thing. It's the greatest thing. Um, but it also brings great humility in our lives and great selflessness and should bring selflessness into our lives. And through that, God uh, brings about humility in us as we try to shepherd and lead our kids. And, and so we're, we're going to fail. We're not going to do well ultimately uh, in our parenting and in our leading of our children and those that God has given us uh, to take care of if we don't have humility. And so we, we got to have humility in friendships. It's very difficult uh, oftentimes to express that in friendships, to, to submit to one another and to be humble and to be uh, more uh, willing to be in right relationship than we are to be right. And, and, and that's a challenge for us, especially with our friends. And, and it's a challenge for me. And so, and so the Lord has been really working in my heart as I work with people and as I try to live my own life, that, that this absence of humility in our lives makes it difficult to live. And it makes it difficult to be married, makes it difficult to parent, makes it difficult to have friends. And lastly, it makes it difficult to work and to work on a team and to work with people. I think that one of the most devastating things you can see and know about yourself and about others is to watch a person who has no capability to work with other people and have, have no ability to be able to engage in a team dynamic or in any sort of environment where other people have to work together to get something done. Most especially, it's tragic in the church. When you, when you see someone floundering around and they bounce from place to place to place to place, and, and oftentimes they, they, it's always the person's fault or the people's fault where they came from and why they didn't work and they couldn't get along and whatever it may be. And it's a, a tragic narrative that plays out. But oftentimes when you dig deeper a little bit and you pinpoint some of those things, you realize it's often a lack of humility. They don't want to be led. They don't want to submit to leadership or to authority or to other people. Uh, to work together on, on anything. And as a community, you, you have to have humility in place at some level in your community if you're going to pull together and do anything, especially if you're going to pull together and do anything that's going to bring glory to God and is going to be the good of those around you. It takes great humility to do that. It takes great humility to be married, to parent, to have friends, uh, to work. And it certainly takes great humility to be a part of the body of Christ. And it's tragic when it's not there, and it is beautiful and powerful and effective when it is, because with humility comes wisdom. And so in my life, uh, the Lord has been hammering me 
probably for uh, about the last year and a half, about 18 months, maybe longer if I really started thinking about it. And, and again, this is a little off the cuff, but I'm not going to get too far off the cuff and take you into my thoughts because then that'll, that'll mess you up. Um, but maybe longer if I looked at it. So this idea of, of learning humility. Now, now think about it. Uh, the Lord gives us humility and he renders humility in us. But boy, there's a lot of scenarios in our lives that bring about humility, don't they? Uh, can you relate to me that almost on a daily basis, if not an every other day basis, something happens to tell me about myself? Something inevitably happens to bring some humility at some level to my life, uh, whether it is some. You know, it is just some event, it is some set of circumstances, something that happens in my home, something somebody says to me, something someone does to me, or something I do, and it turns out badly. Uh, it seems to be a weekly and daily thing where God works through scenarios and circumstances and people to bring this humility to our lives. The, the question then becomes, what are we going to do when God brings us humility and then he pushes us back toward his heart if we're a follower of Jesus, which is where we should run and should pursue and should go anyway. And we must have humility to do that. Again, we have to have humility to submit to anything and to anyone. And so as God gives us that and he gifts us that, he desires for us to push back into him and to seek him and his wisdom. And so humility paves the way for wisdom to be gained by you and I in, from the Lord. It's really interesting. Solomon teaches a ton on this in wisdom. And then James, in the book of James, he progresses this way in his writing. In fact, he talks about our mouths. And he says, you need to watch your mouth. And he gives three or four different metaphors as to what the tongue can do when it is destructive and it is not controlled. And he talks about it, it's a, it's, it's a fire and it is the rudder on a ship and it is the bit in the horse's mouth and it is a controlling thing. And so our mouths oftentimes can control our lives and control our behavior. And he says we should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. So just from a practical level, we should listen more than we talk. And, and when, we, when we're not talking, we should listen to learn and to, and to understand. And, and as we understand more and grow more, then that will help us in controlling our emotions and especially controlling us from getting angry. And then he goes on to talk about the idea of humility. And he says, humble yourselves. Pursue God, and he will pursue you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. I'm no salesman. There are some guys in here that are business owners and great salesmen. You would think that would be the greatest sales pitch of all time for someone who wants to have a better life, someone who wants to know God more, someone who desires to be purposeful and to live and glorify God. Simply the pitch of draw close to God and he'll come close to you. But in order to draw close to God, we have to have what? Humility. So as James teaches through this, he teaches through this humility aspect, and then after he talks about controlling our mouths and the problems that it'll get us into, and how if we control it in the right way, it will help us in our lives, we have to have humility first to draw close to God, and then in him drawing close to us, we then live out God's purpose for our life. After that, he then says, you need wisdom. 
And he says that wisdom, here, I'm going to read it, okay? Y'all are cool doing a little Bible drill? Okay, let's read it. True wisdom, true wisdom comes from God. This is the best. This is an incredible. This is, if you want to look it up later, this is James 3, verses 13. This is after teaching, again, on listening and doing, teaching on controlling the tongue, and, and then he's talking about drawing close to God after that. But listen to what he says about wisdom. He says, if you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with humility. That comes from wisdom. Interesting. But if you're bitterly jealous and there's selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly and they're unspiritual. And he uses this word that we shy away from, demonic. So, so essentially he says that, that to apply your own selfish and puffed up wisdom and for me to do that and to apply that constantly in my life, it is unspiritual, it is earthly, so it's not of God, and it is demonic. It has a spirit, not of God, but of the enemy that will drive your life. And look what he says will take place if that happens. For wherever there's jealousy and selfish ambition, you will find disorder and evil of every kind. So without the presence of humility and without the presence of wisdom, then we go about our lives in an earthly and unspiritual, unwise and a demonic way. And things that are earthly and unspiritual and demonic are disorderly, chaotic, crazy and evil. Kind of makes sense, right? I mean, so he says, without the presence of wisdom, this is what happens in our lives. But, watch this. The wisdom from above is, first of all, it's pure. It's untainted. So coming from God, it is unrestricted, and it is not uh, influenced by anything of this world. It is pure. It also is peace-loving and gentle at all times and willing to yield to others. There's that humility thing again. So wisdom and humility work together. I'm yielding now. Not only am I being humble in my mindset, in my life, but I'm actually applying it. I'm actually yielding to you. I am, I am saying I want to be in right relationship more than I want to be right. To my spouse, to my kids. Well, don't apply that to your kids. Parents, you are right. And so... Um, no, we can take that too far in our parenting. We can desire to be right, and we can desire to lord it over our kids, and we're not shepherding them, we're not guiding them, we're not helping them. It's necessary to yield in our relationships, our friendships, and in the community, especially the body of Christ. It is full of mercy and fruit of the good deeds, and it shows no favoritism, and it is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers, so a person who has humility and a person who seeks God's wisdom and is given God's wisdom that is pure and unrestricted and has that in their life is peace-loving, is gentle, will yield to others, is full of mercy, it does good things, it shows no favoritism, and at the end of the day, it makes us up as a whole as a peacemaker. Notice it doesn't say peacekeeper. It says peacemaker because the idea of peacekeeper in our minds and in our society is that I do all and everything at all costs to keep the peace. 
And that means being dishonest. That means fudging and shading things and, and not being truthful and, and letting things go and letting things under the surface and lie there and bubble up and all of this. Oftentimes that is peace keeping. Peacemaking involves truth. It is pure, as the Bible says. And sometimes to be a peacemaker, we have, to, we have to share truth. We have to be courageous. We have to be bold, and we have to allow others to do that to us as well. Humility leads to wisdom that leads to these things in our life. And he said, these are seeds of peace and harvest of righteousness. So it's the direct opposite of what human wisdom applied all the time with disregard for God, does. That make sense? Okay, then we go back to Solomon, and this is what he says. He says, in fact, that wisdom and the fear of the Lord is the foundation of this and of true knowledge. So God in and of itself embodies wisdom. And so to seek God and to know God and to have a relationship with God is to have access to God's wisdom, just as James points out. And he says that understanding this, the awe of God, the fear of God, the understanding of who God is, that is the beginning of your knowledge and your wisdom. If we miss that, you don't, won't know who God is. And then he says, but fools. I didn't say this today. This is what Proverbs 1, verse 7 says, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. So everything that we just talked about there, all the chaos that that human wisdom brings about, and then all the peace, hope, love, yielding, humility, good things, good deeds, he says, the peacemaking, all of that, that is what God's wisdom brings about in our lives and situations and everything we touch. To despise that wisdom, the Bible says that you and I, if we despise it, run from it, don't use it, have no desire to listen to it, that makes us a fool. Solomon goes on to say that wisdom is so important. He uses this metaphor and says it shouts in the streets. It cries out in the public square. She calls to the crowds along the main street to those gathered in front of the city gate. How long, and this is, you want to talk about being humbled by reading God's word. How long, you simpletons. Will you insist on being simple-minded? I, I, I underline this because, because, you know, I'm a simpleton. And, and essentially, the, the, the message being sent here is this, is, is that, that you may recognize God, you may know God, you may have a relationship with Christ, you may desire to do these things. I may desire to do them, but oftentimes with our behavior and our language and our postures and our relationships and lack thereof, we express and we demonstrate that we hate wisdom. And it cries out to us, use me. And it does so in a dramatic way. He's standing in front of the city gates, crying out to everyone, use me, place this in your life, because to despise this, especially as it comes purely from God, is to be a foolish. And then to forget about it is to be simple-minded. And I, I can be a simpleton, a simple-minded person who forgets all that God has available in Christ to me in terms of wisdom and humility as I make decisions, as I try to lead, is I simply just try to lead 
before I get to the precipice of my own home. How long will you insist? How long will you mock? How long will you hate knowledge? He says, come and listen. I'll share my heart with you and you will be wise. Here's, here's the kicker, okay? And then we'll get into a, a, a three verses that you've all probably heard and then we'll pray through this. Well, I, I wrote down some things in my Bible a couple of weeks ago that purely and from a standpoint of prayer, of praying for wisdom in these areas. And some of them may surprise you. But this is what Solomon continues to say in Proverbs 1.30. He says, they rejected my advice and paid no attention when I corrected them. So this is that same idea, not paying attention when we're being corrected by God, when God uses someone or something to correct us. We have a choice. We have a choice in that moment. We have a choice in the days and months following that moment to allow it in humility to correct us and to pay attention to it. He says, but when we don't, we eat the bitter fruit of living our own way. Watch the the picture that he gives. He says, choking on their own schemes. So here's the, here's the thing about living the Christian life. We're not robots. We're not automatons that were programmed and winded up and whatever. We, we have this choice. And so God gives us his Holy Spirit and he, he gives us the power and the ability to live for him and to know his heart and to know his ways. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about the power of the resurrection of Christ in the form of his spirit being in our lives. And I got to sit with a lady this week and and, and listen to her tell me that, that that moment, that truth in God's word captured her like never before. And she said she realized even in that moment she had not felt that power. And I, I got to be present when she gave her life to Jesus. And so this is the spirit that lives within us. We, we have this power. We, we have this wisdom. We have it, but we we have a choice to ignore or to allow the Spirit to work in our lives and to pay attention to it and to allow God to work that in and through us. And a lot of times we reject it and we don't pay attention and we, we hate and despise correction. And when we do, we end up going back to what James says is our earthly wisdom and we know what that renders. Chaos, disorder, evil. And Solomon says that kind of stuff will destroy your life. In fact, you will reap the bitter, nasty fruit of that and you'll choke on it. It'll choke your life. Uh, somebody mentioned the heat. David, I think, mentioned the heat. I, I was in the, the heat the other day. I've got a lawnmower that I cannot get fixed for some reason. It, it won't. I'm, I'm not lazy. I'm not cutting my grass because I, I don't want to. It's just I, I can't get my lawnmower fixed. And so I, I had to borrow my neighbors who was really nice and and then I've got to hire someone. This is going to be very painful for me on Monday. Um, I'm not going to be there on Monday afternoon, just in case, because uh, I don't want to sit inside while somebody cuts my, my lawn. My neighbor's on vacation. And so, I know, pride, I need humility, right? Um, but I was out in the garage. It's so hot. 
came in the other day. I don't know about you, but I love fruit. I especially like grapes. Um, and <laughs> sitting on our island was this bag of grapes. And, you know, I came in, and it's hot, and I, I want some water. I grabbed some water, and I saw some grapes. I'm like, oh, that looks refreshing. And I didn't realize that the bag of grapes that were sitting on the island were the grapes that Bonnie had taken out of the refrigerator as she was cleaning it out to throw them away. And so I reached in the bag, grabbed a handful. She, her back was turned. She didn't see it. And I just had my water and my refreshing grapes. And I just put them in my mouth. And it was, in a word, disgusting. Just wrinkly and gross and, you know, like overly, you know, done or whatever you call it. They're overly ripe. And just was, not only was it not refreshing, I choked. I was very dramatic in the way that I, you know, spit it out. Like, ah, it's disgusting. So, so not refreshing, not helpful, not good, not satisfying. This is what God tells us that rejecting the wisdom of God will produce in our lives. It will produce rotten fruit that we will choke on. And it will not be helpful, it will not be refreshing, and it will not be good, and it will not bring glory to God. And, 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 and man, everything we touch will produce this kind of fruit, and, and even we will, we, will, we will buy into this kind of fruit at such a level that we will eat it, and it will choke us. It will be nasty. It's, it's just very descript. But watch this. He says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. I was reminded of this this week. Just was on full display. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. And, and I think that might be the key. We don't pay attention. We reject the wisdom of God. It ends up costing us anyway. And even though as we are choking, we fail to have the humility to run back to him to get it right. But we're just so doggone impressed with our own wisdom and what we know and what we want to get out and what we want to say. And I say we, and I should be saying I, I, I. This is, this is what I do. I feel like this is a thing in my life. And so I'm asking the Lord for wisdom right now in my own life and for humility. I remember this really awesome moment God gave me and my wife after great pain and loss and tragedy. We were driving to Texas. We were on the last leg. We were hurting. We were, we were in pain. I didn't even know. It, it, I was having a hard time relating to anyone. And my brother, who many of you know here, uh, helped us move to Texas, and, and he came to me that morning. He said, let me drive your truck, and you get in the car with Bonnie, and you guys have a, a, a little while from Baton Rouge to or Shreveport, I think. Who's ever drove that stretch of I-20 from Shreveport to Dallas? It's not very far, but it's not very fun. It's not very appeasing to the eye. Anyway, it was our last stretch. We had about an hour and a half left. Long journey, long journey. If you want to uh, get some stories on that afterwards, I'd be happy to give them to you. Um, just glad we all made it. Don't ever move across country with extended family. Brian was wonderful. I'll leave others out. 
Um, me and Bonnie were good too. It was just a couple of factors in there, a couple of factors. <laughs> it's, it's good for, it keeps relationships whole. Don't do it. And we got in the car and we're driving toward this new life, you know. Um, and we were talking and we determined together that we wanted to spend the next part, the next however long the Lord gave us on this earth and, and that we were together asking God for wisdom and nothing more when it came to our lives and when it came to our marriage and when it came to if God would ever give us children. And if he ever gave me another ministry and if there ever was whatever, then we just wanted to have wisdom in it. And you know what? God's done that in so many ways. He's rescued us from stuff. He's saved us from stuff. He's kept us from stuff. He has, uh, we've seen God's glory uh, shown in situation because his wisdom has prevailed and because other people were using it. And, and, and we've seen humility and the Lord, again, guys, if it ended today for me, if I walked out of here today, this was my last day in the ministry and in the pastorate, then God has given me an incredible life. The people like you and others that I've met and have been involved in my life and, and, and to see the Lord work in people like you all over the country and, 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 thank, and, and in other ways, I've, been to, I've, I've had the opportunity to go to six different countries. There is, it's unreal. Like I couldn't have calculated that when I surrendered. To the, to the ministry. So I'm thankful for the way the Lord has done that. But there also has been some times, and there has been some times seemingly lately, where you do, where I do, where we have done what Solomon warns against. Don't ignore it. Just keep paying attention. Keep listening. Asking God for humility to seek his wisdom and then to see that wisdom applied to yours and my life. Because when it is, I think it bears repeating this passage one more time before we pray on it. I think that it would be good to just read it one more time just so we know what God's wisdom brings about. Wisdom from above is, first of all, pure. It is peace-loving and gentle at all times, willing to yield at others. It is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds, not the fruit of evil that you joke on, the fruit of good deeds that is refreshing. It shows no favoritism. It's always sincere. Gosh, we could use a bit of that, couldn't we? In our lives, in our society, authenticity. And those who are peacemakers will plant the seeds of peace. That will be the expression of our lives as we seek and have true wisdom from God and the harvest of righteousness. The Lord will bring about his results. This is what I'd like to do.